This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to the Tuesday episode, my friends. This is an episode that we, by we, I mean Dr. Cindy Hovington and I, have wanted to record for so long. And just with scheduling and both of us being so busy, we weren't able to do it until today. And by today, I mean Sunday, but you will be listening to this on a Tuesday. So what are we talking about, you might ask? Well, we are talking about screens and screen time and your children specifically. If there ever was a hot topic, this is it. Cindy is a neuroscientist. She is from Montreal. She is the founder of Curious Neuron, which if you're not following her on Instagram, you must. She shares such valuable science-based research, but in a way that's digestible for parents. Every week she covers a new topic. It's a very helpful Instagram account to follow. When Cindy reached out to me on Instagram asking about coming on the podcast, I was like, oh my God, yes. And we thought about what topic we should cover. And I was like, we need to do screens. Our experience with screens, if you haven't already, go read a blog post that I wrote a while back. I will actually put it up in my stories the week that this episode gets published so that you can go and read it. I'll put it in the episode notes as well, actually. When Milo was really young, we would put on Paw Patrol in really difficult situations. So if he was insanely gassy and having tummy troubles, it would just really help to calm him down. Now I understand why. But at the moment, I was like, this is weird. He really likes Paw Patrol, obviously. For some reason, he was drawn to Paw Patrol. And now I understand why, again, because it is a chaotic, very stimulating show. But I felt bad and I was like, why is everyone so up in arms about screens and kids? And even now he's two and a half and people are always talking about screen time. So I wanted to dive into the research myself at that point. And so I pulled up just some meta-analyses about screen time and what the recommendations were. And if you're not sure what a meta-analysis is, it's basically a research study that pulls all the other research on a given topic and they put it together. So fun fact, that's what I did for my PhD when it comes to psychotherapy for eating disorders, if anyone cares about that. So I looked at these meta-analyses and I kind of summarized what I found in the blog article. I also talked about our experience with screen time and how we approach it as a family, but I am not an expert in this area. I don't understand how the brain works and what the screen time is actually doing to our children. I just really looked at the research and what it says with regard to correlation. So, you know, more screen time is related to X, Y, and Z, which, okay, that makes sense, but it's interesting to understand why. And so in this episode, we really get into that. She explains, you know, what is considered a good show to watch and what is considered a not good show to watch and why. We also get into how every family is different. Every child is different. I remember a while ago, I think I posted something about screens and people messaged me on Instagram saying that their children had huge meltdowns when they would turn the TV off or that they noticed when they watched a lot of TV, their children had really bad behaviors that day, like throwing tantrums. And I just have not experienced that with Milo yet. So when I read that, it kind of shocked me. I was like, oh, so keep in mind that every family is different. And we really try and stress that in this episode and just give the information, give you some tips and tools if you're looking to limit screen time. And also I share a lot about what we're doing and what I've found. And it's just a non-judgmental, let's all learn about screens and what's really happening 
And it's just, it's a good episode. This is how I like to approach everything in parenting. I just did an Instagram live all about soothers. It's on the podcast IGTV Instagram account that is at the mom room podcast. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like, let's just get the information out there. Let's let parents make their own decision based on the information. Zero shaming, zero judgment. Every family's different. If Milo was showing a ton of behaviors around screens, I would be much more likely to limit them and be, you know, more strict about it. But right now, that's not really a concern for us. And we don't see any need to really limit his screen time from what it is already. But again, we talk a lot about balance as well. You know, if they are watching screens for a given length of time, what else are they doing in the day? Are they getting lots of interaction with their parents with social? Well, COVID and being social is not really ideal, but are they getting outside? Are they being physically active? Are they using their imagination? So this is a great episode to listen to. Send it to your friends. Such valuable information. Without further ado, guys, here is the episode all about screens, 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 screens with Dr. Cindy Huffington. All right, so today I'm talking with Dr. Cindy Huffington. She's a neuroscientist, a mom of three, and the founder of Curious Neuron, which empowers and guides parents in making informed decisions about their child using scientific research. We have been wanting to do this episode for such a long time. Screens, like I wrote a blog about screens when Milo was really young because it just started to become a thing and he really liked Paw Patrol and I was like, oh, I feel bad about him watching screens. So then I did a bunch of research on PubMed looking into it and so... You obviously dive into this research all the time, so this is the perfect conversation to have and the perfect guest to be on the podcast to talk about screens. So before we get into questions that people asked us on Instagram, I just thought you could tell us about yourself, your background in neuroscience, and why you started Curious Neuron and what it is. So my name is Cindy Huffington and I was a neuroscientist. I was studying schizophrenia and the emotions and cognitive difficulties that they have. And then I started my, my postdoc in education. And I know it's like a completely different field, but the reason why I switched is because the, the patients we were seeing at the hospital were very young. They were teenagers and mental illnesses usually begin when we're in our early adulthood or teenage years. And I started questioning how is their brain learning? How, how can they be sitting in a classroom when my studies are showing that they're not motivated and they don't care about things they used to care about before and that they have verbal memory issues, that they have trouble remembering when they're being told something. So how can they learn in the classroom? So I started a postdoc and then that ended because I got pregnant. <laughs> so, and hence Curious Neuron. I decided that I didn't want to go back into research, not because I didn't like it, but I just wanted to stay home with my, my kids. And one kid became two and became three. And I had started working a little bit with clients privately before, at, like at the beginning after I had one child. But then I just stopped everything and decided that I was still enjoying reading science. I missed science. And I was looking and reading or answering some questions that I had through science articles. And I said, why not turned it into a blog. I'm reading it anyways. And I started the Curious Neuron blog in 2017. Less than a year later, Janet Lansbury, who's like a, a huge parenting resource a person, she shared one of my blog posts and then that blew up my blog. <laughs> and I got pretty lucky with that. Yeah, now the blog post or the blog became an entire resource for parents. So I'm an evidence-based parenting resource and I read science articles. I create these little images and I put them onto Instagram. I create podcasts around certain topics and I interview researchers and clinicians. We have weekly free webinars so that parents could come and ask me questions. There's just there's courses, there's programs. So it's a big resource so that parents could at least inform themselves. It's And it's not about, because there's a lot of parenting stuff out there, it's not just about giving you more information or telling you what to do. It's about giving you the the, the information or the, the science behind it so that you can make that decision. Just like we'll talk about today, you know, there is a lot on screen times and the goal of our conversation or the, my my goal is not to... For, for parents to feel guilty about whatever's been happening. It's so that you know, 
okay, here's the research behind it. And here is what I could possibly do to either be more mindful of it or to change certain, you know, habits that we have or maintain it, whatever you decide. So many times, and I talk about this a lot, the media, because that is what most people are exposed to, right? Is media, like, you know, news shows and tabloids and things like this, or even things on social media. And like, they take one small thing that one research study found, and they blow it up and it becomes so popular. But you know, someone that is trained in science and in research would read that and be like, have a bunch of questions to follow up with, right? Like, yeah, but what about like, you know, how did you actually do the study? Like, did you control for this? Like, it's so good to have resources from people who understand the research and aren't just taking it as face value or one, you know, headline of a news report. No, exactly. <laughs> and also applying it to parenting, right? Because you could have some people that are like, yeah, don't do this or do this. And they might not have kids yet and they might not realize that it's impossible. <laughs> you know, like don't yell, sure. <laughs> or even with the screen time, I think something we hear a lot and we'll, we'll probably talk about it is like no screen before the age of two. I don't know if you've heard of this one, but, you know, so and I think that I was just talking about this with someone yesterday where as a new parent, you're like, no screen before the age of two. And then your child is at a grandparent's house or somewhere and they look at the screen and you imagine your child kind of melting as like their eyes look at the TV. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. There's a lot more behind that statement that we have to be aware of. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good to look at the behind the reason why or, you know. And that's another thing. People give these blanket statements, like you were saying, no more than one hour per day. And most people are like, oh shit, okay, I got a only one hour. And they're like timing the screen, you know, whereas I see something like that and I'm like, okay, but why? Like, where did you come up with that? Like, why? <laughs> What's going to happen if he has two hours? <laughs> you he know? will melt. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So we both put out a thing in our Instagram stories to have people ask questions about screens. So what we did was compiled the most common questions that were asked. And we're going to try and get through as many of these as possible. So one of the most basic questions, what is considered screen time? Like, especially in the past year, so many people are using FaceTime now kids have like little tablets where they play games, there's TVs, there's the cell phone. So what is considered screen time? Screen time does not include FaceTime or Skype, I think was in the, 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 the resource. And there's a reason why. So the screen time is, is the TV, the movies, the video games, the iPad, the iPhone with moving picture, um, not pictures, but videos, let's say, versus looking at a picture on an iPhone or looking at a home video. There's a difference in the speed. Same thing like when you're FaceTiming or we're Zooming now, I'm not like like <laughs> like changing position it's static so it's not it's not as stimulating for the brain and that's what we have to be mindful for so if your child has been facetiming this year because of the pandemic you can breathe <laughs> even even with kids in school yes that is screen time it will tire their eyes that's a different story you know being and we, we feel it too the fatigue of working all day on a computer that's that's something else and they will definitely experience that but the focus for young kids, especially under the age of five, is how stimulating something is for their brain. And that's why that, you know, researchers or even the American Association of Pediatrics will recommend. And it's and now they brought it down, I think, to 18 months and younger, zero screen time. But that doesn't include FaceTime. So when I think about certain TV shows, you know, if we have on, let's say, like Sesame Street. That's a quality show. I think that was one of the questions too that you had. What's quality versus not quality, I guess. But so when we're as a, as a scientist, when you're looking at quality, it's not just the fact that they're singing ABCs and they're singing songs. It's the speed of it. And especially with a young child, even when we speak to a child, think about a baby. It's, it's, we don't say like, oh, how are you? What are you doing today? It's how are you? Hi. So you're slowing down the pace of how you speak to them. But most of these TV shows don't do that. And when you think of old TV shows, I don't know if you watch like Mr. Rogers and Mr. Dress Up and Fred Penner. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've had discussions with people and they've said like, I watched tons of TV and I also watched all those shows, Sesame Street and those three. 
they were very different. They were so slow to the point that some kids might be bored today watching it because it's like, okay, let's go to the living room. <laughs> do, to do, do, to do. <laughs> yeah, but that's the regular pace of our world and especially for a child. And I think that that's the biggest thing I, I would want parents to be aware of is how fast the TV show is for them. And even I think Paw Patrol or I've used that one because it's like, it is so fast. Even I'm entertained. I'm like, whoa, it's like chase down like the the slide, like sky. (laughs) Yeah. But that's, and that's the point. And that's the part that's overstimulating. So if you do have a younger child under the age of two or 18 months, I would say just maybe play something that's slower. So one of those home videos that you have or Mr. Dress Up and and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, they're all on YouTube. If you could find a full episode, that's how I introduced my kids to TV. So, and that way it's slow. You don't have to be worried about it. You know, and especially if you're seeing behavior differences in your child, like the TV show ends and they're like, and you're like, okay, hold on, slow down. Maybe the TV show is a little too fast and just be aware of what the, the quality of it. And again, it has nothing to do with just the songs that they're singing, but the speed of it. And you can think of when you're walking at night and you, you see somebody watching TV in their, in their living room, not in a creepy way, but like you see the lights flashing. I'm always <laughs> curious what people are watching. I'll be honest. <laughs> When when they're watching TV at night, you see the flashes of color from the window. That's exactly what the child is seeing at a very young age. So it's those flashes of lights, even if they're young. So if we could slow down that that those flashes by watching something where the pace is slower and everything is slower, then you know once in a while, if they're un- they're under eighteen months, it's not bad for them to see it. And again, if if their older sibling is watching Paw Patrol and your baby happens to crawl in and, and see it for a few minutes, it's okay. You know, research that looks at TV, it's not about like a they happen to see it one time and now something happened to their brain. It's it's not that. They look at daily long hours. So I think there was this research by, I forget his name now, Dimitri Christakis. And what he saw was that between the ages of one and three, which are still the critical years, if there's two or more hours per day, every day, then there are higher chances of attentional difficulties, not ADHD, but attentional difficulties. But that's when it's very consistent. And they don't look at the in-between. So going back to really looking at the studies, you know, if a parent especially now during the pandemic. And you're like, oh crap, Cindy, what are you saying? Like, I've been watching two hours a day. Like what's going to happen to my kid? It's a correlation. It's not a direct link. And it's never too late to try to find ways to change it, which we'll talk about. But also what's happening in between. If in between these two, three hours a day, you are sitting with your child, you guys are playing, you're chatting, you're developing emotional, social skills, you're going outside, then you know, you're balancing things out. But if it's seven hours a day of TV and you haven't chatted with your child and it's time for bed, well, then I would say, you know, maybe reevaluate how you're using it and and cutting it up a little bit or, you know, so there, there are ways and these studies don't look at that, but we have to just be mindful of the hours. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. 
Who has the time? We are all so busy and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. That's the biggest thing for me is... Maybe we, you know, watch Despicable Me in the morning like yesterday, but then the rest, like we spent all afternoon outside. We walked down by the pond, like we looked at birds, like we did all kinds of stuff. Obviously, I'm aware of how much he's watching and I think about it, but I don't let myself feel bad about it because I know some days he doesn't watch TV at all. Like, he goes to an amazing daycare and they don't even have screens. So, you know, I try to like give myself a little bit of leeway for not feeling bad if he watches TV. I was curious, like the stimulation of the TV show, what exactly does that do to them? And like, at some point, do we grow out of that affecting us? Because even as adults, like we watch crazy stimulating things so does that have an effect on us as well it can before bedtime there's some studies about like your circadian rhythm and melatonin and just kind of calming down your system some people will argue you know that they watch tv and that helps them fall asleep and again that's just because research is not a direct link it's a relationship or no association but I, i always say like we have every child is different and we have to monitor them so if your child so i had a, about a year ago i did like a, a one week screen free challenge and i had a couple parents join me and they just cut out cold turkey <laughs> screen time with their child with their children and most of them saw like a huge difference in behavior because now there were no more tantrums when it was time to turn the TV off. Within one to two days, the child wasn't asking for TV anymore. I, I don't want people to just like be afraid of it or cut it out completely. I want you to be aware and to monitor, which is what we do for everything, right? Monitor our health. We monitor what we're eating. We monitor what we're doing. And the same thing with their child. If you kind of notice that their their behavior is so off during the days that they watch TV. Yeah, sure. Try to cut it down or be mindful of the TV show they're watching and try, try to switch that. But in terms of their brain functioning, the reason why they recommend against it or, you know, when they're very young is, is for two reasons. So one, when they're babies, let's look at small babies, because I think there was a study that said it was 40%, yeah, 40% of three month olds are watching TV these days. And at three months, you know, I, it doesn't say how much TV, but if your child is, they're sleeping a lot still at that age. So if when they're awake, they're watching TV, they're losing valuable time of connection with you, of interacting, of tummy time or whatever it is. So I, I always, it's the same thing with whether you have an older child or a younger child, you know, what is the TV taking away from? Is it taking away from playtime? If they're 18 months, around 18 months, a child learns how to pretend play around that time. So if your child is 18 months or 24 months and you've noticed that they're not doing any pretend play, they're not taking dolls and pretending to feed them or bathe them, they're not running around pretending to be a different character, then maybe, and this was interesting because when I did that screen time challenge, one parent noticed that only after she cut the screen time out, 
that the child started being bored and then started pretend playing. So, you know, what is your child missing out on if there's too much screen time? But again, if in between the screen time, you're, you're allowing them to be outside and to play and to be bored, that is a huge thing. If your child demands or asks for a screen when they're bored, try cutting it out a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to suck <laughs> at the beginning because you're going to have tantrums, but that boredom is when there's learning that happens. That boredom is when the child takes random objects in your house and pretends that there's something else. And that ability to create and to, to, to have that imaginative play, those are skills they need when they start school. So just be mindful of those certain things and the overstimulation when they're young. Don't just take something that you read and use it as a blanket statement for every single family and every single child. Like really understand your child's behaviors, their patterns, how much TV they're watching, how it affects them. I've heard so many people say that their kids act wild if they've watched too much TV or like you were saying, if you turn it off, they throw a tantrum. And we have not experienced that at all with Milo. When I read that from other people, I was like, oh, geez, like it kind of freaked me out a little bit. But something else that we have been doing in the last few weeks, which I love, and I'm so happy that we made this change. And this was something that someone asked as well, was now you know, in the evenings when Milo comes home from school, the TV is just off. Whereas before, I was this way my whole adult life. I always just kind of have the TV on in the background. That is how I went through grad school. I would study, I would do everything with the TV on, like everything. So that's just kind of how we were in our home. And I started to notice that he would only ask for baby shark or whatever it is to be on if the TV was already on. But if the TV was just off, he didn't even notice and he would just, you know, play by himself and be imaginative. And so now, unless we are actively watching something and it's like, okay, let's sit down and watch Toy Story then the TV is off. It's made a big difference. And to be honest, it's made a big difference in my stress level. And it's just, I feel happier just not having that extra noise in the house for no reason. So can you talk a little bit about the active watching versus passive? That's a good question. A lot of parents will ask me that, especially for babies. But again, it comes down to like the the sound, right? So even you notice as a parent or even forget about the screen time. I have three young kids at home. (laughs) By the end of the day, my senses are like through the roof and a drop of a fork at dinner time can throw me off (laughs) or or even just like a tug of my shirt. I've been like jumped on and touched too much. And so I'm overstimulated and our, our brain, like the senses part of our brain is connected to the amygdala, which is an emotions part of our brain. And then that's connected to the frontal lobe, which is our rash, like rationalizing the emotion. So we're going to, Sometimes senses throw us off into emotions and we're too tired to deal with it. So our frontal lobe says, screw it, I'm going to scream. <laughs> so it's this whole circuit. Same thing with our kids. So again, it's, it's a case by case thing. If you have music or, or the TV on in the background and nothing is different with your child, then continue whatever works for your family. However, if you've noticed by the end of the day, after a few hours of having the TV on, even if your own brain is tired of hearing sound, Cut it out because there is, there's a, again, that overstimulation aspect. It's, it's the auditory part that you're kind of overstimulating, even if they're not watching. But, you know, I like the fact that you guys turned it off because then you realize, okay, I don't need it at that time. And I always tell parents with everything that we do, whether it's tantrums or even screen time, to kind of journal about it for a few days to say like, when did I have it on? When did I have it off? What differences did I see? And also, when am I using screen time? Am I using it for diaper changes? Am I using it for car rides? Am I using it for transitions to kind of get their mind off and say, okay, we need to leave grandma and grandpa's house. And then they have a tantrum. So you kind of give them the iPad to change their mind. Am I using it when I need a break? Am I using it to prepare meals? Am I using it in the morning? So write it all down and then see what are the negotiables and what are the non-negotiables? So can I turn it off? Like you, let's say, you know, when I'm home, because we don't, we're not really watching then, then do it. That sort of calming aspect, especially coming back from either school or daycare when they've already been overstimulated, that is like the, the golden hour of tantrums. That's when you want to kind of include like boredom and quiet time or coloring or stickers or whatever they can do, even including them in the kitchen with you, asking them to go, I don't know, get like uh, the napkins, something that's safe for them, obviously. But being mindful of that hour back from school or daycare where 
maybe and might help to have them watching TV, but you might also notice a big change in their behavior. So again, it's a case by case thing, but write down what the negotiables are and say, okay, I could remove it from diaper change. They will cry, but I'll find a way to you know, entertain them. I could remove it from, I don't know, car rides. We could sing songs or I can give them a car bingo sheet or something like that. The non-negotiable for me is when I need a break, let's say in the morning on Saturday morning, take that time for yourself. Don't be guilty about it, but know that that's your non-negotiable. That one, you're going to play TV on Saturday mornings. Or for me, it could be, let's say during meal prep, if you're coming back from work and you say, you know what, I don't care about the tantrums. I need to cook food needs to get onto the table. So that's your non-negotiable and that's fine. But then the other ones, let's say in the car rides too, or being at the restaurant or a doctor's appointment, have a little bag that's like a busy bag, put some stickers in there that they don't see inside the house or a little toy that they might not have seen in a while. And there are ways to go around it. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. It really is just being mindful. Another thing that's a positive from not just having the TV off when he comes home, because my big thing was I wanted to cut TV out when we were eating dinner. And so now there's no turning off the TV to have dinner because it's already been off. It was never on in the first place. And then after dinner, if we have some time before it's bath time and he wants to watch Baby Shark or something, then we, you know, we will have quiet time, sit on the couch together and watch one of his shows. But yeah, it is just about being mindful. And like you said, thinking about when you're using the screens for a long time, not a long time, it was probably like a few weeks, he was watching Shrek in the car. And that was like his thing. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't want this to become a habit where he always wants the screen in the car. And this is probably just our situation. Milo has never been consistent with something. So if he, you know, like we do something where it's like, ooh, this could become like a bad habit that he's always going to expect. That's never happened. So lucky for us after, you know, he didn't care about Shrek anymore. And now the tablet is always in the car, but he might get it. He might not get it. Like he plays with Buzz and Woody, which like those are 
their own issue. <laughs> he yeah, has that, books in the issue car. In my house now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like you said, having different options available and not just a tablet because yeah, sure. If he's, you know, starting to be cranky in the car, I could say, do you want your tablet? And he'll say, yeah, but you know, sometimes I try a book first. I try Buzz and Woody first. I try like, do you want some crackers? Like whatever it might be. And then I find some days he doesn't need it at all. He doesn't even think about it. I like that, that you're giving options too, because again, you know, for you, the car might have been a non-negotiable. You might say like, I have X amount of minutes in the car and I have no choice because that's the only thing that stops him. But we have to try as well. And if we try different things and different toys and snacks or activities, then we'll see that, okay, this became a negotiable. I'm able to switch it to something else. So I think it's important to, to test it out, you know, because it is easier to give screen time. And I, I get that. I'm a mom of three. Sometimes there's days where you're like, I just don't want to deal with today. <laughs> it's going to be a screen day. And give yourself grace for that too. You might be sick. Your child might be sick. I don't want parents to have that guilt, but, you know, just being aware of when you're using it. And Turning off the TV and time to say, like, when it's time to stop it, I know that's a huge struggle with a lot of parents. And stick to your boundaries. That goes back to, like, your sort of parenting style where boundaries are really important, but warmth as well and saying, I know, sucks, you know, (laughs) we have to turn the TV off. But we forget toddlers need, like, some sort of prep. We need to be, like, their frontal lobe for them. So I find that what helps is having a visual. We have like a traffic light printed out and then it's like green means, okay, we're going to watch TV because they don't understand the time. We can't say five minutes left because that means nothing to them. But green means let's go. You get to watch TV. Yellow means it's almost time. So when they see it, you know, the, the little clothespin is put onto the yellow light, it's almost time to turn the TV off. And then when it's on the red, I put the clothespin on the red light TV is it's done now. And, but not just saying that it's done. We prepare before I say, when you're going to be done with television, when it's red light, what do you want to do with me? What activity do you want to do? They might say, we want to go outside, or they might say, we want to play with Buzz and and Woody, because that is a big hit in our house right now. (laughs) So I'll prepare their brain for the next thing. We're prepared. We're helping them with the transition because that is a big issue with young kids. Transitions are not fun. Just think about us too. Like if we're chatting or having a coffee with a friend, kind of sucks to say, okay, well, I have to go. But we have the frontal lobe capacity to say like, okay, I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to throw myself on the floor. (laughs) But children don't have that. So we need to prepare them for that. Give them some sort of visual so that they understand it's almost time to stop. And then prepare their brain for what's coming next so that they're excited for it. And they understand this moment is ending, but a new one is starting. So we have to give our kids those tools too. That is literally how I get Milo to do anything. And like, I will try anything. Because sometimes if it's nice weather outside and we come home from school, I'm thinking like, I need to get in the house and make dinner or like put dinner on a plate that I didn't make, but somebody else did. And Milo will not want to come inside. He'll be like, no, no. Walking around the driveway, trying to pick up rocks, you know, and I will think of anything like let's go inside. We're going to wait for daddy inside. Daddy's going to come home and like come inside or come on, let's go see Bubbles and Muffin. Like we have to go feed the puppies like to get him. There's always little tricks that you got to use, like giving them options or getting them excited for the next thing. Because or else you get stuck in the cycle. Yes. Get inside now. I said now. Yes. (laughs) I'm always like, how can I manipulate this situation (laughs) to get what I want? You could look at it that way. Or I say, like, be their frontal lobe. <laughs> Let me be the rational decision-making part of them so that it could guide them. But yeah, we can manipulate. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I call it manipulation. But yeah, yeah. anyways, <laughs> I mean well. I mean well. One thing I wanted to mention when you were saying how, you know, not feeling bad as parents, like you gave the example of if you guys are sick, like we watch a lot of TV when we're sick, obviously. And not to feel bad about it. Another thing that we don't feel bad about when it comes to screens is if we go, obviously we haven't done this in the last year because of COVID, but if we, you know, let's go for lunch on a patio and we take Milo, if he is going to ruin that experience for us, we will give him a tablet or a screen. And I always feel awkward because I think people are looking at us like, oh God, here's another, you know, two parents just shoving a screen in front of their kid. But no, like 
I never get to go out and eat with my husband. So I want to have this beer and enjoy myself and talk to my husband. And if he has to watch a screen, that's fine for this hour because we're going to enjoy ourselves and then we'll go home and take him outside or do something. It's like all about balance, but I can see where parents feel like you're being judged if you're in a situation like that and your kid is on a screen for sure. I think that applies to everything about parenting, but we kind of have to do this thing, right? And just like people, whether your child is having a tantrum in public or you're showing them a screen and you know, that was the only time that day, or it's the moments, like you said, you're having supper with your husband and it's a, it's a special date and you want that quiet time. Forget about what people are saying. You know, it's, they're always going to have opinions. And look, I'm, I'm a neuroscientist. I would talk to my family about like the importance of holding your child and creating an attachment with them and bonding. And I was still told, you know, you're holding your child too much. You're spoiling them. I just, I would have to like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Everybody has an opinion. In my PhD, I did a bunch of training in attachment and I heard the exact same thing. They're like, you don't have to pick him up every time he cries. I'm like, oh yes, I do. And I will. (laughs) They don't care what we have. (laughs) It's the old school way of thinking. And it's whatever they did. And you know, what you did is not going to be what I do. And yeah. There we worked. Yeah. (laughs) So if you were to recommend shows for parents, like what are some shows that you would recommend? Sesame Street is pretty good. Yeah, like there's research on Sesame Street saying like that it's super good. <laughs> there's oh man, there's a there's a study again by Dimitri Christakis, but he highlights different shows. He mentions Arthur. I'm forgetting now. Uh, there's a Arthur show. It's like a I don't know what animal he is, but it's very slow and there's a lot of learning. It's a cartoon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just called Arthur, isn't it? Arthur? Is it that? I think so. Yeah, I think it's called Arthur. Yeah. There's that show. It's very slow. It's a good one. And you have to look at also the levels of violence for older kids. Just be monitor what the kids are watching. It's, again, if your child isn't really affected by what they're watching and you looked at it and it's not violent because you want to keep that in mind. I think they had brought up like some sort of Power Rangers stuff being violent and aggressive. and But I don't want to like poo-poo on TV shows. <laughs> I, I, I just want the parent to say like, okay, let me look at the show. And if it's flashing in my face every three seconds and I can't even count for a 10 second duration without seeing a different flash, then it's a little fast for your child. And also there's this test that I do with kids. I've told parents to try. Can your child after 10 minutes repeat what they watched? If they cannot summarize, maybe they're a little too young to watch that. If they're able to say certain words like, uh, was there an animal? Yeah, bear, bear. Like if they don't keep it at their level, if, if your child's like four or five years old and they just watch something and you ask them, so what just happened? And they can't repeat it. Maybe it's a little slow. And there's some studies that recommend that under the age of five, that we should be sitting with their child because most TV shows and movies are fast. I get the fact that you might have to clean or you might have to prepare dinner, but go back and forth or watch what they're watching with them and just say like, what's happening to Arthur? Or I don't know the Paw Patrol characters, but you know, what's going on? Why why is she sad? Or why is he angry? Just to have the conversations around them and to keep it interactive. You're also playing around with memory by doing that. And if there are some songs, bring them up in the car rides or during dinner, you can even say like, oh, you you know, you watched Paw Patrol while, while I was preparing dinner. What happened? Just kind of keep that interaction. Yeah. Keep engaged with that so that you don't just kind of put them there, but you're, you're using it to continue the conversation. Have your kids watched Toy Story? Yes. How old are your kids, by the way? One, three, and five. Oh, wow. What my three and my five-year-olds know them by heart, I think. And my one, well, my one is, they're almost two, almost four and almost six actually. So one thing that I wanted to ask you about was why do kids want to watch the same thing over and over and over? That's how they learn. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I received that question too. It's okay. There, it's because it's fun. I, I don't know about you, but I, I hate change. So if I go to a restaurant and I eat something and it's super good, if I go back, I'm probably going to order the same thing. <laughs> I don't like risk. So I think with kids too, you know, they, they enjoyed something. And even with my kids now, I introduced them to the magic school bus that I found on Netflix and they love it. And they only want to watch the same episode. It's about molecules. So, Hey, watch it as much as you want. But I'm like, are you sure? There's so many other episodes. I'm like, no, that one, I think they're on like the 10th time of watching it now. 
but they enjoy it. And I think they're, they're gathering information. And if we, as parents engage with them and say like, what was the lesson today? Or well, not the lesson, what's a molecule? What did you just learn? Or what color is that? Or whatever it is, then, then you're kind of keeping the ball going in terms of learning. And it's not just like passive watching. Yeah. Your kids are watching right now, Magic School Bus. I remember that when I was little. It's the old school one on, on Netflix. I'm so happy that I found it. In general, would shows that are not cartoons be better? No, it's not that it's better or not. Again, it has to do with the pace. Magic School Bus is, is slow-ish. It's pretty good. And again, it's all those TV shows. Maybe they didn't have the technology to make it so fast, but the older ones are pretty good. In our house, we we have a sort of like a media family plan, which I encourage everybody to have. And it doesn't have to be set stone in stone and written down on a paper or whatever it is, but to know when do you turn the TV off in your house? When is it on? And for yourself as the parent, right? Because we model, when is your phone away and when is it with you? So I, especially as last year with, with my Instagram, things kind of grew. And I was always somebody who didn't want to use my phone. It would stay on the counter. I, I wouldn't use it with my kids. But then I realized I had to post and then I had to respond to posts. And then I had to like answer DMs. And I noticed that I kept going to my phone. So I had to reevaluate. And we can all do that as families. Always reevaluate like some sort of behavior or habits in your home. And I, now I post like before 8.30 in the morning and then that's it. And then I respond in the afternoon or at night. And I think it's important for us to keep reevaluating our own you know, habits with our screens, because if we're always on our phones, especially for us, no phones at the dinner table, no phones in the bedroom. Those are our rules. But, you know, sometimes mommy and daddy has to work and we use our phones. So they get that. They see that there are times that we use it and times that we don't use it. So we expect the same from them, you know, knowing that, you know, for us, let's say um, during dinner, no TV as well. And you can have TV before that. We have certain days where we have movie afternoons. So they expect that they know they, it's Wednesday. We have a movie afternoon. So they, they know when it's coming up. It's a plan. It's, it's our media plan. We have no phones for like the entire bedtime routine unless, see my whole thing, like because I kind of document our days online, my whole thing is if I want to do something like video him or story him like eating his meal or whatever, because I want to talk about something, I'll do that. But then the phone goes face down away from us because I don't want to be, like you said, you can just constantly be doing something on your phone. And then the bedtime routine, again, if I take a picture of him and my husband or whatever, it's like that. And then the phone is face down. But yeah, phones, oof, I know, but like, I can't stop. But my whole, <laughs> like my favorite time of day, and it's funny because you were saying everybody's different when it comes to watching TV before bed. I watch reality TV in my bed in the dark by myself every single night before I go to bed. And like you were saying, like it puts me to sleep. And yeah, but you know, that's, that's why I don't want people to feel bad about it. It's, it's an individual thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's the same thing for your child. So yes, there are those rules or there is that research. And if your child is watching, you know, three, four hours a day and nothing else is being done and they're not interacting with you or other people, well, before COVID, I guess, but you know, interacting with you, then yes, I, I, I would urge, you know, to kind of reevaluate your, your, the media habits in your home. But besides that, if you're balancing it and you're, you're, you're not seeing any problems with your child and, you know, there aren't big tantrums around TV, then do what works best for you. Yeah. And if you don't know, like you said, take a week and test something out and see the difference. You might be like, oh, wow, my kid isn't, you know, having behavioral issues. It was literally just less screens and it, you know, has changed their behavior. So yeah, just test it out. Okay, well, I guess this is coming to the end of our conversation, but I wanted you to tell people where they can find you online and your website and your parenting group and your downloads that you have. You can reach me at curiousneuron.com and I really invite anybody, if you have a question, you can come join me on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. I try my best to answer all my DMs, but also the questions I get help create content and I like that. I, I love creating posts or podcast episode. We have the Curious Non podcast as well around the questions that parents are having. Cause I kind of, I, I feel like a detective. <laughs> so I'll get a question out. I'll, I'll get into the research and I'll try to find an answer to it. Sometimes there's no answer. Everything isn't 
always black and white in research, but sometimes there's a little something that I could use. And, and that's my job. My job is to take our questions and concerns and to, to find science behind it. If there is every Monday night, we have a free webinar and I cover different topics and we join on zoom and I have three parenting packages. So I, I don't have a course yet, but I felt that it was important to have like a mix of workbooks and, and private sessions with people to help them with either their parenting style. So somebody doesn't really know how to, should I be strict? Like I was raised or should I be like a happy friendship kind of parent? <laughs> if you're stuck in between those, then I, I help guide parents and tantrums is another thing I help out with. If you just feel like you're at your limit and your child's having tantrums every day for three hours, then you know, I can help. <laughs> and, and then play. Play is my favorite. And this is a conversation I've had with a few friends of mine. There's so much research behind play. And as parents, we tend to overthink it. Like we do everything and <laughs> we it, being just letting our child guide us and, and letting them take control of like play and imagine like any imaginative play. They are learning so much from that. We don't have to worry about colors and shapes They'll learn that along the way, but there's so many other skills that kids need to learn that we can work on with them. So I have those things that I work with people privately and it keeps me going. (laughs) Awesome. I'll put all those links in the episode notes and just about play. I decided to let Milo help in air quotes, help me make banana muffins earlier. And I'm not afraid of a mess. Like I'm not, if he makes a mess, but he's having fun and he's learning, I don't care. I will clean it up after. So I just like let it go. And so he saw, I opened the carton of eggs and he was like, egg, egg, like I want, cause I was giving him his own little ingredients to play with in a bowl and mix it up. Like he was helping. And so I give him an egg and he cracks it in the bowl and I was like, oh, good. And then he wanted a second egg and that was the last egg that I had. So I let him take the egg and he like, it exploded in his hand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, I thought about it afterwards and I was like, oh, well, like just let them be kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we, we tend to bring kids into our world. You know, like everything has to be fast. Get ready. Let's go move. Okay. Play with this. No, don't play with it that way. Play with it this way it's just it's so much but then when we I I don't know about you but my especially coming out of research everything was I don't know I was like a super anxious person I I still kind of am but they they allowed me to slow down a little bit and to realize that just looking at a garbage truck passing in the morning is kind of fun (laughs) because you don't have to don't worry about the dishes They'll, they'll get done in five minutes but just sit down and watch the truck. Who cares? Watch a bird or a squirrel. And we have a lot to learn from them, I think. I know what you mean. Like we're so regimented and we're planning everything out and everything's scheduled and they're just kind of go with the flow. And yeah, that's it. Got to meet them halfway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyways, well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was so nice to finally talk to you, but I'm sure we'll keep in contact on Instagram And yeah, I will let you know when the episode will be out and I'll have a fun promo video, of course, all that jazz. Hopefully by then I'll have, I'm preparing a screen time workbook that I want to put up on my website. I'll send it to you so you could see it. And it it creates like a, how to help a parent create a a plan, a media family plan. I have the image of the the traffic light so that they could print it. So that way, you know, hopefully parents could use that as a guide and to help them yeah that would be awesome all right well thank you so much thanks renee